0: everyone and welcome to another Scotchway podcast and tonight I am joined by writer Tom Gillespie. Hello Tom. Hello. Hello there. Um, Thank to you be- very much for having me. Well it's an absolute pleasure and it really is a pleasure because we were having a chat just before we started here and we're going to be talking about your book The Strange Book of Jacob Boyce which I have it here and um, you very kindly asked me to read it um before it was published and it's such a thrill to read a book that you genuinely go, "Wow, this is unlike something i've read for a long long time and and just and just something really new it's quite exciting so c- can you tell us about uh, the book
1: what what is what is it from your point of view before I start telling you what i think? Well, I'm I'm really chuffed that you 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 liked it so much, and I was I was saying earlier that I just wanted to thank you for your support for this for um, for this book because it's we are living in difficult times and it's been it's been quite tough, and um, that that support has been um, incredible. Um been well, a so, pleasure, Tom. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so the book, yes, <laughs> I wrote down. I was just before just before we came on, I I started to. To write down some stuff and then i i just ended up kind of like scribbling it all out and just putting down one word which was deception and i thought actually i've read a whole load of others and I, and I, i just kept coming back to that basically uh i was i'm really i'm really fascinated by by the whole idea of of deception and uh and how that how that how you can play that out how you can work that through um a story In a narrative, and uh, and develop it, and and develop characters that are busy deceiving either themselves or others, and um, elements and bits and pieces of the the jigsaw that makes up the narrative to to create this this deceptive environment. And I I really love that um, about it. Uh, That's a sort of like that's the deeper level. But of course, on the surface, it's just the book about this guy, uh, Jacob. Um, and I was thinking about him tonight as well. And I was thinking, I remember when my, I gave my, my old man um, uh, a quick look at, I had a, a manuscript from um, well, way back. It was in, in its first early sort of embryonic stages. And I had this guy, Jacob, and my, my dad, read it through and he said he said oh, he's a right one isn't he and i thought <laughs> well that's what he is he's an absolutely right one and i think you know this that that jacob sits obviously sits in the middle of this whole story um and and in many ways without giving away too much his his deception is a self-deception in a way um and and is that's kind of wrapped up in his obsession with this baroque painting this this Fake, fictional, whatever, Baroque painting that's that that's hanging in the um the, the Glasgow City Art Gallery. Kelvin Grove isn't named, but you know. Yeah, I was we, thinking we that. We know that's where it is.
0: Yeah, no, um, anyone who's ever been there knows that's where it is. I think. Yes, not, yeah. I mean, one of the great things about uh, uh, the book, actually, and we'll maybe talk about it later, is there's a really strong sense of place. Um, yes. Certainly, I mean, I also know Glasgow well, but I also know um, Barcelona fairly well as well. And there's, uh, y- you do have a real strong sense of, of place there. So even if you don't name, you know, people you know, by the walks that you take and how to get there yes. and all sorts of I'm, really interested in this, that, yeah. I, I'm interested by this idea of deception because I hadn't thought about it that way. But yes, there's self-deception, but there's also deception of the reader in some ways. There's slight of hand. Exactly.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Uh, it's you know, it's smoking mirrors. Exactly. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And yeah. um, was that was that part of the intention of the book then? Was to write oh, absolutely.
1: Like- yeah, it was the 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 author, you know, deceiving the reader and 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 drawing the reader into this labyrinth and 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 uh, pulling and pushing them in different directions. Um, and also allowing the reader enough space to make up their own mind about what, what's going on in the story, basically. Um, you know, you've got this guy who's, who's obsessed with this painting and then he goes, his, his, his relationship with his wife's fallen apart because of it, basically. And then he, uh, she goes missing. So, so on that surface level, it's, it's a kind of psychological thriller where he's, he's trying to hunt down his wife and try and find her uh, and that trail takes him to Spain, and uh, and but the within that, you know, he he's his obsession is kind of escalating and, and spiraling out of control, and he believes somehow that um, the painting and the original artist, the Baroque artist, is, is somehow involved or responsible or behind his wife's absence and, and disappearance. Um, so when he goes to Spain, he's he's kind of on the hunt for both her and this artist um, in Barcelona, like you say in Madrid, and he goes to a little village too, uh, and he's trying to piece together this jigsaw um, about what's going on. All the while, and his his head's all over the place, and he's. I think he's, that's
0: one of the things. You, as a reader, you're never quite sure where it's going to go because Jacob is never quite sure where Ooh. it's going to go. He right. kind of plan yeah. for the day, if you like, is to go and look at this painting yes. and take, you know, meticulous notes. I mean, to say it's obsession is underplaying it, you know, really. Uh, <laughs> and and, and, Fetish. And, uh, yeah, and observe it uh, in every yeah. kind of detail that he can. And that seems to be his plan for nearly every day. And everything else has become secondary to that. Yeah. So, when it suddenly unfolds, you know, and he decides, well, if I'm going to solve part of this puzzle as he sees it, or puzzles as he sees it, he's yeah. going to have to um, go elsewhere. And I think it, it constantly, as a reader, it constantly surprises you.
1: <laughs> but <laughs> that's glad. a really good thing. I have to I'm say that's a really I'm good glad. Thing, I'm know? glad. That's, that, was the, that was the idea to try and do that, you know. Um, and of course, it's about. It's interesting you mentioned that Jacob's kind of like doesn't know where he's going as well, and that there's that kind of uh, sense of lo- loss and losing, you know, losing yourself, getting lost, and he's getting lost in Spain, and he's getting he's getting lost in um, in this hunt, in this search, and also lost within his own his own mind as he as it sort of unravels, he's kind of losing that, losing track of that as well, really. Um, but the deception. The deception was definitely. I, I I worked really hard to to layer that up, um, um, from you know the author to the to the reader, Jacob's Jacob's in, inner deception that's going on, and also the kind of the, ex- the, the external worldly deceptions that are going on all around as well. You know, places are not quite they're quite the the I, I try to design them so they're a bit off kilter, so. Yeah. You know, you talk about that real sense of place, but it's a kind of like trying to, trying to invoke Mr. Grey you know, Alistair Grey and have that kind of hyper, hyper reality around Absolutely. those I places.
0: You're right. Uh, uh, there's a kind of dreamlike quality and you're never quite sure, um, you know, for Jacob, what is real and what is, is just in his head and
1: yeah, um, yeah even though you right. might
0: be there are places I'm very familiar with in the book yeah. but you're right you kind of see them in a slightly uh you know different way and also these ideas of kind of for want of a better word micro deception because he and I suppose it comes with deceiving yourself to keep that going you also have to start deceiving those around you that's right so he's holding that's right. on to work and some you know just about and you know holding on to other things And the only way to do that is by kind of stretching these out.
1: Exactly. That's right. Um,
0: Listeners might be able to tell that we are desperately trying not to give away any spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) It's
1: very very difficult. It it
0: really is very difficult because I would pick it up and have anything spoiled for them. But such a shame. So let's um move away from the kind of details and talk a little bit yeah. about other things why did you
1: decide to write this book what are the kind of inspirations behind it well it, it, it's it was interesting I, I was in i was living in spain actually this was oh, a, right. back in um early 2000s actually and and we had a a weekend off and we went to madrid we were in madrid and it was it was boiling hot it must have been over 40 degrees so we were Desperately trying to find places to go, and we we uh, we we accidentally ended up at the Prado. Uh, I don't I don't know what happened exactly, but we just ended up there. And by this stage, we were in, in that panic mode where it was so hot, you just need to you need to immediately get out of it. Slightly hallucinogenic, yeah. you know, you're you you're kind of overheating so much. And the Prado was nice and cool and relaxed, and actually it was relatively quiet, strangely uh and i'd been once before but kind of in a different context so so but and, and i left my wife separated off and i went first i went upstairs and i and um i had a wander about and then i and then i happened to wander into the Velazquez. uh it's like an octangle ro- octangular room right with with all of, all his a lot of his paintings all his most famous paintings around round the sides on each side of you know, this this octangle unless Meninas is right at the the sort of the front of it and it's just this massive painting huge you know uh and and it just completely overwhelms you it's like you know I mean a lot of paintings do that but this one in particular is just it it actually does literally take your breath away it's just like oh my god you know and this this kind of state modernist statement almost you know um and, and, and almost instantly I had this idea, well, this guy's trying to corner us here, he's trying to trick us because he's he's looking out at the painting at us and we're looking at him. And, and it was a kind of, you know, having the Robert De Niro moment, like, you know, yeah. what, what are you looking at? Are you looking at me? And, and it's really disconcerting because all of the characters in that scene are, are looking beyond the painting straight down the barrel of your own eyeballs, you know, oh, and right. it's kind of like whoa it, it knocks you for six so I'm busy I'm busy trying to take this in feeling overheated meanwhile this guy comes in uh in a suit um and a, and a like a leather briefcase uh suit and tie black suit walks in opens up in the gets into the middle of the floor and opens up his his briefcase and he starts taking out a, a, like a real of thread right and a, and, a, and a magnifying glass right and starts sort of putting this down on the floor right and he's sort of kneeling down and then he and then he started sort of un, unravelling this this thread um and he had he, did, he had a notebook so he was kind of like writing down these these kind of like distances between the and i was watching this guy for a, for a minute or so and i thought what is he doing? This is really strange because it's, you know, they're tourists and it's, it's busy yeah, and he's yeah. he's really preoccupied, you know, totally focused and after after a couple of minutes, he, he's he's getting more, it's getting more and more crazy because he's, these he's reels of thread and he's got a little pair of scissors and he's cutting them and he's kind of laying them out. These, the two burly security guards came in and saw a man handled them <laughs> off the premises, you know, took him out and it was as though they knew him, you know, was was as this is yeah, a guy okay. who returns and, um, So anyway that that happened and it sort of percolated and then i i went back to the hotel and i wrote down this kind of one page little story like a little flash story you know nothing really just just an observation of what had happened i thought it was quite interesting put it in a drawer forgot about it Mm -hmm. disappeared disappeared for about five years and then i i was having a clear out and i found this thing and i went God, this guy. Yeah, that was really strange, and something in my brain clicked, and uh, within within sort of twenty minutes, I had his name, Jacob, and I had this the the sort of embryonic parts of a story, and it just it just started to to shout at me. It's like Jacob was sort of going, "I, you need to tell you need to tell everybody this story about me," you know. So I I I started to develop that this guy and wow. what happened to him and why why he was there
0: it's so um, interesting that i have spoken to a few writers recently and they're talking about characters who have stayed with them almost like if you know you're oh, yeah. a child you have your uh, invisible pal or your, your, your you know yeah imaginary friend and like they've said a lot of the characters that they have uh, uh, you know spent time with have become like that this idea yeah. that character starts to not take over the process,
1: but is a hugely <laughs> yeah.
0: part, and does things yeah. that you, the writer doesn't even expect them to do. Exactly,
1: yeah, that's right. And it was, it was a bloody nightmare because he's, you know, <laughs> he's, a, he's a, he is a nightmare. He's a, he's a, you know, yeah. he's a classic anti-hero, is not he? He's, he's like, he's, you know, and, and I thought, well, if we're going to make him an anti-hero, you've got to go for it, full hell for leather. You know, you've got to make him, you know, the proper job. Uh, but I had to, you know, I've sort of. I, I I started thinking, oh, this I you know this is a this is a really interesting guy, and as as it went on, he was kind of like he I I he was with me, <laughs> you know, for for a good few years, you know, and then and then he sort of like and then he comes back and he's back again, you know, when you know we've got the launch of the book and he's sort of like, here I am, you know, I'm I'm, I'm back with you again, and you sort of he put him away for a while, and then he he returns, you know, uh, to haunt your imagination. So he's, he's, he's interesting.
0: It's very interesting. There's actually there's a the question I was gonna ask later, but I'm gonna jump up the queue now because I think it's relevant. Um, the book obviously there's a lot about art and obsession. And I do for what you're saying is almost the writing of the novel, it becomes an obsession for the writer. Because if yes. that character's yeah. there all the time saying hello.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, it's and, almost like a, a sort of meta thing that's going on you know where the the author is starting to get sucked into this whole deceptive process you're you're kind of like part and parcel of it you're almost you know one of the you're not you're no longer the kind of witness you're the you're you're, you're an accomplice yeah you're the the conduit of
0: stories being told through
1: yeah yeah that's right
0: um well you mentioned it's interesting that you mentioned um alistair gray there because yeah. One of the influences I thought that this read a bit like a kind of gothic, Alistair Gray, you know, and and then again, you talk about putting the writer almost in the book and having that relationship with character. Yeah. Certainly with with Lanark and others, he does that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, I'm just presuming that's an influence, but is it? And are there others that you yeah. that you've got that you could tell us about?
1: Oh, I, I absolutely, and and it was it was very much in my mind uh, through the whole process that this was kind of like a. Uh, you know, I think I said to you in an email once, it's like a humble kind of nod to these these people, you know, Alistair Gray and James Kilman and, and Agnes Owens too. I, I just I adore her work. I yeah, just absolutely. I just think that, that kind of intense uh reality and she's very funny as well. You know, her work is is really funny. Uh too. That that I you know I, I was thinking about this and I thought, well actually if it wasn't for them, I don't think I'd have even noticed that guy. It, 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 the, the influence and the, um, their presence in my, in my creative life is so powerful mm-hmm. and so strong that they, they almost help me see and pick these, these moments, in order to kind of like think about developing them otherwise i don't think i would have i would have spotted the weird guy in the in the gallery just it's something that wouldn't have happened so they are they are certainly part of my creative life but also i think you know um when i was writing the book and i was uh, you say it's about art but i was i was thinking about um the new Glasgow boys as well and you know growing up in the 80s and that was that was another huge influence and I was and Stephen Campbell and I was thinking about Stephen Campbell and his you know his kind of self-portraits or sort of very surreal portraits of men up mountains in tweed suits battling with albatross and whatever it is they're battling <laughs> with them up up in the up in the up on the cliff top that sort of stuff you know I I I I've always adored it, and it's that that kind of sense of hyper reality and hyper intensity, that you know, glorious technicolor that uh, that they create in their in their artwork that, um, is is beyond the normal, really, and um, the everyday.
0: That's an it's an interesting touch point. Well, because I for those people that, that weren't kicking about in the eighties and nineties. The Glasgow yeah. Boys, um, that generation of a uh, house and uh, yeah. Campbell, and you know, and and Curry, and you know, and all sorts of people. Alison
1: uh, Watt actually too. Yeah. She was she was in there too. I think that very salutous.
0: Stars. I mean, they were just they were as well known as writers and That's you right. know, musicians and things like that. These were really. I think I feel
1: very. I'm sure. I'm sure you probably feel the same. But I feel so lucky to to have have been uh, you know growing up in that period you know it's like a period of renaissance in, in in creative arts in in glasgow and yeah. just to be in amongst it um you know uh, it was was spectacular it was wonderful i remember going into cafes and seeing alistair gray and his then wife you know sitting at, sitting at a table along the way and you'd be like Oh, God, I just, I'll just go on, I'll go and, I just go and I and just go and speak to them, now. You know, it was like these these people were like rock stars, you know, yeah, at around right. that time. Um, spectacular. Uh, so that 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 was a real uh, influence and important for me to try and somehow capture that in the in the book, you know. Um, their their presence, I think, um, yeah. in that process.
0: The other thing you mentioned, which I think is very interesting, is saying that you wouldn't really have taken notice of the guy in Madrid if it hadn't been for reading, you know, the people that you mentioned. And I yeah, think also, yeah. sometimes people overlook that—that that that there's an education process to. I mean, there's a. There's a pleasurable and, you know, there's an educational thing because people make you see, whether it's the painters or whether it's writers or whoever, make you see the world in a different way and you do carry that around with you. I mean, yeah, you know, my, right. an image. Which, talking about um, Agnes Owens. Talking about Agnes, Agnes Owens, Owens. Yeah. Her at the beginning of one of her stories, she's got famously the dog and the pram being pushed on. To <laughs> yes. But I have found myself kind of almost half expecting to see that. You know that. I know. Image, it's, that
1: just it's so fun. real, isn't it? It's so magnificent. Um, and Tam Leonard and all those all those people. I mean, they're just like heroes, absolute heroes to me. Um, um, I do think it's, 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 you're absolutely right to say that reading
0: whoever you read, um, you know, I probably wouldn't look, go into a gallery and look at a large painting again after having read Jacob no. Rice, because I've now got yes. this idea that there's all these real headings. Is it moving? moving. <laughs> yes. Is it moving? You know, did yeah. I really see that at the corner of, yeah. of my eye, something going on? Yeah. And I think you do, whoever you read, you get something uh, on, on some different level from them. Um. A couple of books I also brought to mind. I don't. I'm going to mention them uh, just for my own uh, curiosity. But Andrew Crummy's Fits. Are you aware of that book? Uh,
1: no, no, actually. Uh, well, the, the obsession. Probably sounds in, like I should be.
0: Yeah, well, it's <laughs> P F I T Z, and uh, yeah. the obsession in that one is um, architecture. Right. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. A, it's got a similar feel of. Um, the tunnel vision of the obsessive, which means that other things going on outside seem to be, Mm. you know, slightly different. And from the kind of, we haven't really touched upon the fact that it's also a thriller and, you know, the the, the bit that we really don't want to get into too much. But there's a book book written by Frank by called A Very Quiet Street, which Polygon Mm. published back in, uh, I'm going to say the late 80s, but yes. it it's, um, about re- it's kind of takes real-life um, events and uh, fictionalises some of them. It's a real mix between fiction. Mm. And and I just thought when reading your book, you know, because I knew the places, and as you say, they're a little off-kilter, but there's reality there. Yes. I always think that's yeah. a really interesting thing to do, to bring your fiction yeah. into something that's so
1: kind of yeah. recognisable. Yeah, sounds, sounds fantastic. Yeah. That, I'll check those out, actually. they sound so good. So... Um,
0: um going back to the book what, what were the practicalities of, of of working on the book you know the kind of how did you research people and places it you said you spent time in spain and took it took
1: a while it took a wee while um yeah i actually yeah i was lucky uh, because um uh, one of my my good friends is an art uh, teacher and historian and uh, he he helped me a lot with uh, a lot of the background stuff around around Velazquez, and and, uh, and I'm, I'm fascinated with, with the guy for years. Okay. But actually, you know, just trying to it comes back to that deception, um, trying to concoct something that would sound believable and sound as though it could be possibly true and yeah. feasible, uh, and finding the language uh to do that and it was similarly with the even more so i think with the with the kind of the the mathematics i've had a few a few people have said oh i'm a bit scared of that book because it's got mathematics in it there's absolutely no mathematics in it whatsoever (laughs) but what what i did was i i I work at the i work at the university here and um, i i recruited i got um, a guy who was then a phd student uh, he, he was really into this uh to help me concoct this uh this jacob's th- or this old theory you know that's this this theory of empirical wisdom that jacob uncovers in the book right but uh what we did was it was again it was all that smoke and mirrors stuff it was like okay I said I said to him look what we don't want is to just overload this with with mathematics and no one understands I don't want to have any I want it to feel as though there is some but there isn't actually any and uh, so he he helped me construct the language around how 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 mathematicians talk to each other you know because there's a scene where he he goes and talks to a maths professor about this theory and i said how how they how they communicate with one another you know to 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 make that real uh and then he helped me come up with this this crazy ridiculous mad theory you know about how which is kind of like has draws on sort of quantum physics and all that but it's actually there's nothing really there it's just all you know an illusion um, so when people read it, they think, "Oh God, is, it, is this is this maths? Is it is no? It's, it's, it's nonsense." But I think that's the
0: the, the the clever thing throughout is you're never sure what is. That's why I was thinking about the Frank Kupner book, which I know there's real yeah. uh, life things. You're never sure who or what is real and what is absolute fiction and. <laughs> you could go and probably google and fight but i think you still wouldn't be entirely sure because the whole point <laughs> of, uh, Jacob but, yeah. is finding out himself
1: you know that's right and what i did was so, so what i drew on on real real people are in yeah. there i think i think uh, there's a guy cellini i think he he was actually kind of real and then there's sort of there's elements of truth and and elements of falsehood and you kind of weave them together so that you create this kind of tapestry of of Confusion. Um, I was really. Uh, I, I love one of my one of my favourite films is um, Orson Welles' *F for Fake*. Yeah. I, I adore it, and every time I go back to it and watch it again, it's like you you pick up something new about it, you know. It's and it's and I a lot of the book I I that I leaned on that film quite a lot. There's a there's a um, there's an *F for Fake*. I don't know if you're completely familiar with it, but there's a he, uh, Wells is uh, bef- living in Ibiza, some pre pre all the clubs and all of that was the sort of '50s '60s, the, the Bohemian Ibiza, uh, and he uh, befriends a, a a forger, an art forger, a very famous art forger, um, and they have they, they have this relationship, and in the film there's lots of conversations between the forger about reality and what's fake and so on. And of course, the the forger in my book is based very roughly on this character, this real character that that existed. Uh, um, So it's kind of drawn on reality and then twisting it, turning the knife, you know, on it, which I really love to do. Well, I that's that's a
0: great way of putting it, the kind of twisting the knife kind of happened, I think, throughout of it. So, can you tell us a little bit about um, how the book? Uh, going back to this idea of uh, becoming obsessed while you're yeah. writing it, there's some kind of dark and difficult themes in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Did that? Did you feel that affected you as a as a person while you were writing it? Is it was it easy to kind of put away at night or? Was Jacob always going to say no? <laughs> he,
1: was, he, he tended to linger about. You know, you had to you yeah. had to kind of you know be quite firm with him I think, at times and tell him to bugger off. Um, yeah, he he was there. Were there were certain points in the book because it's it, it does get very intense, and I think mm-hmm. uh, it's difficult to shake it um, for sure. And, um, and but also sometimes I think it's because um, he's. He's, te- he's almost like he's telling you that he's not quite happy with the the, the, the direction of travel and and perhaps I'm missing another trick and um, so he would almost as a as a, as a as a separate person would talk to you and say I don't really think I would do that I think I think you might want to think about doing it this way you know talking to myself really yeah, of but course, it was kind of yeah. like he would he would help me yeah. uh, because because the, the you know I developed such a a strong sense of character around this guy he it was almost as though he was he was he was talking to me and saying yeah that's that's not really what i do now you know that's that's not where you've 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 taken me i i i think we should be going somewhere else and and there was a few a few changes a few shifts in direction um through the process but often that would that would happen at sort of three in the morning and (laughs) drive uh, and drive my wife crazy you know, up in the night, scribbling.
0: And uh, so, how do you? Uh, hopefully, this is a fairly simple question. But how do you know when it's done? If something has been so much ah. in your mind and with you for a long period of time, how do you finally say, "Right, enough's enough," and you know, cheerio?
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting you say that because this this is a I, I, there isn't a there is a, a, a first attempt at this book um actually so i i, I produced the first version of this um back in 2012 and i was really unhappy with it and i think i'm sure jacob wasn't happy with it either <laughs> um and i i something didn't sit right at all with me um and uh so i left it i i shelved it it was published it was published for a short time and then i shelved it was really i i I felt disappointed right with it in some way there was something missing um it didn't quite work um so i shelved it and it was kind of a bit traumatic to put the guy down you know yeah um but then once i once i got my energies back for him to deal with him uh i took took a two or three years, you know, and then I, I decided I would, I would have another go at this and see if I can re, re-examine it and, and uh, enhance it and improve it and get to the point where I'm really, really happy with it. Um, and that was, so, so it's kind of like, and, I, and I, it is done now. There's no way he's, he's, gonna, he's gonna annoy me, but then again, you know, I did have a thought um, about a sequel the other day really? wow. <laughs> so he's not quite he's maybe not quite finished with me um uh so it's it's a difficult one to it's difficult one to say yep it's definitely done but i think this one is this is this 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 book is it's, is it's certainly done, done. it may yeah, not yeah, we may not be yeah. done with jacob yeah but we're we're done done for now <laughs> um, <we're> done in. <laughs> well I,
0: I do wonder if, if that gets to you know having um, edited books I know sometimes that, in that during that process you get to the stage where everyone involved is kind of like well, this is as edited this is as done as it's going to be yeah that's right. you maybe hand yeah. that over yeah. it's interesting yeah. that there was a whole different version that I presume had been through that
1: process yeah that's right and and it was it was sort of like you know again talk about deception i was sort of like deceiving myself that it was okay yeah. um and i you know you you get to that point and it's you, you're a bit like wood for the trees aren't you as well at like, you know mm. by the end of end mm-hmm. of a certain process but i just thought i actually had deceived myself that it was that it was okay and it's, it was almost as as the the second it was published even before actually i i realized that there were missing Pieces to, to Jacob's jigsaw that needed to be uh, fixed um, and sorted, uh, but I didn't have the courage to go back to it for a wee while, you know.
0: It's Mr. so interesting with this book in particular that that's the story behind it. That you know, you you talk about deception, and you got. Yeah. I think this is fine, and then some. No, no, that's something's not quite right. Exactly. It runs to that that. Idea runs through the whole book that something isn't quite right, and that yeah. there's a an itch that 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 Jacob has yeah. to, or a thing he has to pull at to see what you know yeah. where it goes, and that runs you know right right through it.
1: Even if that's right, and, it's, and I get to the point where you're thinking, well, has this obsession got a hold of me now? You know, and am I am I you know am I am I being drawn into this again because it's just you know this this crazy obsession? But actually now that I've I've um worked through this process again and re restructured and redesigned and added a whole new section to this book, I think that it was it was a worthy journey and it wasn't well, it was an obsession, but it's not a, not not an unhealthy obsession. It's it was it was worth it, you know. Well
0: I, I think am it's been well worth it because it, it resulted <laughs> in a fantastic book. Um well, thank so- you. I, we mentioned we're, we're, in, we're locked down and things are very odd. Uh, in the, it's a what a time to bring out a strange book when we're it's the strangest of times. Indeed, yeah,
1: it's been um, tough.
0: Yeah, uh, has, has it been tough in terms of um, getting? I mean, did you have plans in terms of events or launches, or and has that all had to be scrapped?
1: I think that was that was always on the cards. You know, we were I was planning on uh, a scottish launch i, I live down in bath at the moment yeah. i'm in exile um but uh, it was always kind of like a plan to have a scottish launch a couple of launches up there and and promote the book up there and promote it down here too um but that that went that was shelved pretty quickly it was pretty obvious that things were going you know, heading south, basically, if you want a better expression, uh, and that was not going to happen. So then you then your attention turns to you have to think. Well, this is an online launch, and you have to kind of like get your head around what else can we do here to to promote this book and launch it. Um, but it's you, all the while you're juggling, you know the realities of every day and yeah. you know the 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 stresses and strains of, of of uh lockdown and being at home and and all all the strains that you've got with the, your family and all the rest of it so it's not been easy it's not an easy easy thing to do really
0: and uh, so i take it uh, that there can be no real plans for for the future
1: well, things i think that um we've got a uh, I'm, I'm hoping uh we've got um I've got another book coming out in October um, called Glasswork Humans, and that's a that's a collabori- collaboration. Uh, it was a collaborative project with uh, two of my uh, writer friends, Paul Cowan and uh, Gary Mackenzie. They're, they're poet, short story writers. So we put together, uh, we're published, we're getting published uh, this book called Glasswork Humans, which is which is short stories and poetry. Uh, collection um and I'm hoping that we can have a, a live uh, launch of that in October you know up, up in Scotland um and I might find a way to <laughs> Jacob might you might gate crash you know what one or two of these events you know as is his way um so there might be ways and means of, of doing something I'm just hoping and praying that I you know can do something live because it's you know, and do readings and have have uh, have a bit of a celebration. You know, and and market it's important to to do these things.
0: Oh, um, without a doubt, absolutely. Yeah. It sounds like yeah. you won't be able to stop him making an, a,
1: an appearance. <laughs> no, no, yeah. he's a he's a right one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, dad knows, dad knows. Um, well,
0: I certainly hope Tom that this book does reach the readership it deserves because it deserves oh, a wide um, um, a audience no doubt about it um yeah. thank you so much for talking to us today it's been an absolute
1: oh you're welcome. very welcome it's been a joy and uh, lovely to meet you
0: and you and you yes and we'll be back soon uh, with someone completely different cheers